What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Blazer beat writer, Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Today's show, we're going to talk about the remarkable run Damian Lillard is on, a Rodney Hood injury update, and a little appreciation for the players and the Blazers who are playing well and not wearing the number zero. But let's start with Damian Lillard. He's put together probably the best two weeks of basketball I've ever seen in person. Not even probably. He's put together the best two weeks of basketball I've ever seen in person. Now, at some point, he's going to have a bad game, and we can put, we'll be able to put an end to this run. We'll say, here's where the run started and the run ended. But right now, we're in the middle of it. So it's hard to say whether this is the be- where this ranks among all-time scoring binges in league history. But I just know that his last six games have been as have been better than I've ever seen him play. It's the best I've ever seen him play, and the best most of his teammates can recall seeing him play. I asked Cedric McCollum after Saturday's game against the Utah Jazz, is this the best game's ever played? And he emphatically said yes. Carmelo Anthony said he doesn't really remember too many times that compare to this. Uh, when I talked to Rodney Hood, he said maybe Kobe Bryant in 2007. Trevor Ariza basically said the only person who's ever done it is Kobe uh, and wasn't really ready to debate uh, where that ranked. But regardless of where it stands in history, this is the best Dame has ever played. He looks like the best player in the NBA right now. Uh, Over his last six games, he had 61, 10 rebounds and 7 assists against Golden State. 47, 6 and 8. 56 and 13. 36, 10 and 11. 48-9-10 against the Lakers, and and 51-12 dimes against the Utah Jazz. Just had two rebounds against Utah. Kind of slipping, Dame. Kind of slipping. It's otherworldly, honestly. He's shooting 55% from the field, 44%. 54.8% from the field. He's shooting 57% from three over the six-game stretch on 14 attempts a game. He's making more than 50% of his shots, nearly 60% of his three-pointers on 14 attempts. He's averaging eight made threes a game. He's first player in NBA history to have six consecutive games with at least six made threes. He's, He's just on a historic tear, an absolutely historic tear. And I don't want to just read off numbers to you. I don't think that's what this podcast is for. If you follow, listen, if you listen to Lockdown Blazers, I'm going to assume you're a pretty big Blazer fan. You can look up the numbers or you've already read the numbers somewhere or you've already uh, you've already heard it on TV, heard it on the broadcast, whatever it may be. He's been incredible. But I, what I keep thinking about is in December, uh, I didn't, I read over this interview I had transcribed from December 10th, and I basically asked Dame, what is the sort of the most challenging part of this season for you? As a leader, as the best player on this team, what's really challenged you? And he says, or rather he said back in December, that it was not trying to force it. It was being patient with the process and making sure everyone gets their touches. And at the time he was saying basically like making sure CJ gets to eat, making sure that Carmelo gets his his spots in the post, making sure that Hassan Whiteside gets those touches that make him feel involved and all those things. This was before Trevor Ariza and before the roster made a little bit more sense, which we'll talk about later. But 
at the time, I thought it was like a, just sort of like one of Dame's good answers. Uh, it was this, he was saying the right thing because he's good at saying the right thing. But in retrospect, six weeks later, it was almost like he knew he had this level. He knew he could average 48.8 points per game and over a two-week stretch and take be on a scoring binge like very few players in the history of the game are capable of. But it was too early to do that in December. He needed to keep guys involved and keep guys positive and then figure it out. And I think because the season didn't go the direction from, you know, that December 10th interview that maybe he assumed that it would, because things never worked out and because we're approaching an all-star break where he'll get a week off, Dame has ramped up everything. He's ramped up his focus. He's just in an incredible rhythm. But he's also just ramped up his usage. He's just doing more. Um, You know, he's averaging during the stretch 10.2 assists. And some of that is just because they're sending double teams at him and he's making the right pass. But some of it is because he's being aggressive, drawing the defense. He's running. He's got better chemistry on pick and rolls, I think, with Hassan Whiteside than he had better than he had early in the year. He's getting so much attention and, and has such command of the game that he can he can get guys in their spots. But I also think it's because he's demanding to be hands-on and he's demanding to do maybe the things that he resisted early on in the season because there's you don't need to first of all it's hard to exert yourself at this level for 65 games. You kind of got to pick your spots. And also, he w- he didn't think the Blazers would be in the position they were in. And, and the position they were in when he started this run was on the outside of the playoff race. Closer to 11th and 8th. So, I just think about the thing that's sort of maybe been tested in him is his patience. Not that he could just turn this on and this is like a, a mode that he decided to go to. I don't... Um, I'm not trying to insinuate that he he just decided to play at this level by any means. What I'm saying is that he knew he could do a little bit more. He knew he could be more hands-on. He could be more aggressive. He could be more assertive. He could just take his effort, his his effort and mental focus to another level but he wanted to make sure that everyone was along for the ride first. And that patience and when to pick your spots and when to do this, when to go to this level is really impressive. Because that's what he's done. He's taken it to a level that I don't know a lot of people can... can I don't think there's many guys in the league right now who can get to this level. Certainly a, a select number. And the three-point shooting and the passing really stand out. But uh, I think he's played better defense during this stretch. Uh, I think averaging for how much he has the ball in his hands to be averaging just three turnovers a game during the stretch. The only game where he's really turned the ball over a bunch was that game against the Pacers. He had eight turnovers. But other than that, you know, he's against the Lakers, uh, an incredibly emotional night that was extremely challenging. And the best player on the court was Damian Lillard as the Blazers and Lakers celebrated the life of Kobe Bryant, Dame had one turnover playing 40 minutes in that environment. Against the Jazz, a really good defensive team, he had one turnover in 36 minutes in a, when he had 51 and 12. Like, he's just, 
he just has a a command of the game like we've rarely seen and perhaps he was waiting for when he would try to tap into this and he certainly has tapped in and he's playing at the best level we've ever seen him play all right second segment i want to talk about rodney hood he was in the arena last night made his moda center debut and i got to speak with him briefly about where he's at in the rehab process before we get there i want to tell you about advertising on this podcast if you've been listening to this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On Blazers is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Trailblazers fans just like you. And unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. And not just any podcast listener, a Locked On Blazers podcast listener, in my opinion the absolutely best type of listener that there is. So, if your company wants to connect with Locked On Podcast listeners, here's what you do. Text the word advertising to 33777. That's 33777. Or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. Local fans love to support local businesses, so get it done right here. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On Advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcast.com slash advertising. Okay, so we talked Damian Lillard's supreme excellence. I only want to do one segment today because I've already seen some of your Mailbag Monday questions. We're going to be talking about a lot about Dame this week. And also, he's just on a tear. He might do this again on Tuesday in Denver. He might come back and do it on Thursday in San Antonio. We might still be talking about this. So I don't want to... I, I was going to do 20 minutes on Dame, but I think I, I think we owe it to him to, to believe that this is the middle of the run and not the end. So we'll talk about it more. I'll give him. Tw- I'll give him his twenty minutes. I'll give him his due. But we got it. We got to move on to other topics. There's lots of things to cover in Blazerland, and a big one was that Rodney Hood has rejoined the team at least briefly. He made his first trip with the team to L.A. on Friday. Uh, he actually had he tore his Achilles on December fifth. He got surgery on his Achilles on December 11th in Southern California. That's where his doctors are. So one of the big reasons why he went to LA with the team was because he had a checkup. So when they flew there on Thursday, he could meet with his doctors. Um, He could also pay his respects to Kobe Bryant, be in the arena for a very special and emotional night, a historic night uh, in the NBA. But, but part of just the basic reasoning, he's not going to travel to many games going forward, but he, he wanted to be there because it made sense for him to, go to California and do medical stuff. But I talked to him last night. He was wearing a walking boot. And he said he is a week or two away from removing that walking boot. And he literally knocked on wood and said, I'm ahead of schedule. He told me that he's, he could have probably already had the boot off, but his doctors are being very, very cautious with him. But also on Saturday was the first time he had been back at the Moda Center. He talked to me about just how special it was just to arrive at the arena and know he was part of the 
the crew again. He's been at the practice facility behind the scenes. He spent a lot of time with the guys. CJ McCollum told me he sees Rodney every day. So it isn't this sort of big uplifting thing for him to come out of nowhere. Rodney's been rehabbing in Portland. Uh, He had to spend a lot of time basically just not doing anything, just resting and healing before he could kind of ramp up the physical things he's able to do to strengthen his Achilles and things like that. But Saturday, he was at the arena for the first time. Came in, sat behind the bench, and with about a minute left in the first quarter, they showed him on the big screen. They played Where the Hood, Where the Hood, Where the Hood at, which is the uh, song they would play when he would score, uh, fittingly. And he cracked a huge smile, a gigantic smile and wave to the crowd. And... I think, it was, I think it was a boost for the guys to have Ronnie back. Like, I don't think, um, I think Damian Lillard being the best player in the NBA probably has more to do with him being the Jazz than Rodney Hood being on the bench. But I asked Dame about it, and he said, it just, one of the things is that, like, the team just feels whole again. Nurk is back on the bench. Uh, Zach Collins is back on the bench. Scalabi Sierra is back on the bench. Rodney's back on the bench. The crew is there. He, Dame remembered a game, the game in Oklahoma City when they had eight, eight guys. So they had five dudes on the bench and or five guys in on the floor and three guys on the bench just sitting spread out and dame says he remembers looking over early in the second quarter and just being like yo like where is everyone where 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 is everybody at but now everybody's back and hood is back and he's and he told me that he really there was it was an amazing feeling and he got he got a, a lot of joy being in the arena. And he said he's a really good spirits. He feels like he's in a really good place. And I think that's important because he also said he wasn't really in a good place. Uh, the aftermath of the injury was really hard on him. He, he just, he was, he said he wouldn't say depressed. He didn't want to use that word, but he said he was just, he was kind of in a dark place. He was really down on himself. He was having trouble understanding what, all the steps where he was where he was going to go and why and you know why him and all the the types of things that a catastrophic injury makes you question but he said he had a really good conversation with his wife and when he came out of surgery on December 11th he just decided okay i'm going to pour my all into rehab i'm going to pour my all into healing and getting better and also just finding out about himself he said he talked to about 20 different nba players who had either gone through a serious injury or gone through specifically an achilles injury he talked to kevin durant about it who's obviously still going through the process he talked to former blazer wesley matthews about the uh, achilles process he talked to joe johnson who uh tours achilles early in his career and then uh reached out to Rodney Hood to kind of talk about the process. And what they said was, mostly, it, it's not going to be easy, but keep your spirits up and, and go at it. But I think the advice that really stuck with Rodney was that they told him to kind of learn, take this time when you're not playing basketball to learn about yourself. Spend time with your family. Spend time. Spend the time with your kids. Rodney has two twins, two young twins under two. Um Spend time with your kids, spend time with your wife, the type of things you don't get to do as much when you're an NBA player and you just have this grinding every other day schedule. Um, Appreciate those things, learn things about you. Rodney said he's been reading more and he's been, after a while, early on it was hard for him to watch games, but he's been watching basketball games as a fan, something he wasn't, doesn't really have time to do during the season where he's playing basketball games and studying some film. He said he's been watching film of himself and trying to just get better as become a better player, just mentally. He seems like he's in a good spot. 
he doesn't really know when he's going to play basketball again. And I think maybe if I'd done this interview with him in Christmas, that would have been upsetting to him, that the what's next is still uncertain. He knows he's going to get the boot off. He knows after he gets the boot off, he's going to ramp up what he can do and strengthen the Achilles, start doing more weight work and all those things. But he doesn't really have a timeline for everything else. He has checklists and he has a plan, but he doesn't really know. And when I kind of pressed him, I I did this interview on camera, so you can see uh, on NBCSports.com slash Northwest, you can see this interview. Um, I wrote about it on the website, too, if you if you want to read more, uh, although I've shared much of it with you during this segment. But, you know, click on the story. That's how... The, <laughs> keep, the, keep the business alive. Um, but I, I talked to him... I try to ask him off camera because uh, it's not always easy to get these things on, on camera. Just like, when, when are we going to see you? And he just... I don't know if he was resistant. I think he just genuinely doesn't know. And it's not the type of thing, the way he has to go through this rehab process is you've got to, you got to be in it each day. You can't be looking at the finish line months out. Uh, I think it's reasonable to think eight or nine or 10 months after the injury, which would be the early part of next season that he would be available. I don't think that's I don't think that's out of the question. Other guys have recovered in that in that timeline, but he didn't know just yet. So if that's if you were waiting for the end of the segment to tell for me to tell you when is Rodney going to play basketball again, we don't really know. We'll probably know this summer as he gets closer. We'll probably know at the end of the season once he gets the boot off and does more things on that leg, he'll 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 have a better idea. So look for that update again. Other health update: uh, Yusuf Nurkic suffered a calf injury. This is just really quick. I didn't speak with Yusuf, so I don't have seven minutes of insight on him. But he returned to practice full speed, and he suffered a right calf injury that is the opposite of his the leg that he hurt. Um, he hasn't returned to practice since then. You will notice last week he was not on the bench for a couple of those games, is because he was dealing with that injury. Uh, it's just it wasn't easy for him to be out there. He's. He will return to practice at some point. I will give you that update then. But for right now, I would call this a, a setback for Yusuf Nurkic and his, his quest to return to the court, making it very likely that we don't see Yusuf until after the All-Star break at the soonest. Okay, that's your, that is your injury report. Quick and dirty on Yusuf. Uh, I, hopefully I'll be able to talk to him in the next 10 days or so, five days or so, and give you guys more of an update on where he's at. Um, he's, he doesn't really want to talk to the media too much, too much about where he's at. Um, the Blazers haven't made him available. So, uh, tracking Yusuf down is not as easy as you might think, but for you, dear listener, I'll do my best. All right. Close out the show talking about Blazers not wearing number zero have been really good over the last few days. Okay, we talked Damian Lillard, we talked Rodney Hood, and I gave you 45 seconds on Yusuf Nurkic, the injury updates from Blazerland. Let's close out the show t- on a positive note. I've had a lot of dark podcasts this season, but now in the midst of a Blazers winning streak and Damian Lillard playing the best basketball of his career, the Blazers with wins over Houston, the Lakers, the Jazz. My goodness, it's not all Dame. I mean, it is all Dame because everything starts with him. He's so he's been so good. But I just want to give a little bit of appreciation to the people not named Damian Lillard who are playing really well. First of all, I think it really starts with Hash- Hashan Hassan Whiteside. I've been critical of Hassan 
on this podcast. If you listen, you know that I have been pretty consistently critical of the way he's played. And I will say this, over the last three and a half weeks, he's starting to get it. He is figuring it out. Maybe, maybe I am guilty of doing this thing that happens when a new player joins the team is that I expect, I say, okay, 10 games in, you need to figure it out. 15 games in, I can't believe you figured it out. You haven't figured it out. 25 games in, it's unacceptable that you haven't figured it out. Maybe that's, maybe that's too much of a rash judgment on the part of me, on the part of this media member. But I also think that was true. And I think now we're in games, you know, 49 and 50. We're in the final third of the season. And Hassan Whiteside looks more comfortable. Seems to be buying into what they need him to do on defense, playing a little bit harder and sharper, being a step closer to the ball and rotating over when they need him. Um, just being locked in on, on sort of position defending. I think that was one of his weaknesses early in the season is just be, he just be a couple steps out of position uh, and he's not lightning quick. So being a couple steps out of position might be giving up like a, a relatively easy layup versus a very, like a challenged layup type of thing. Um, or because he's not there to help, then it's, then it's just a chain reaction type of things. I think he's gotten better just positioning on defense. I think the Blazers coaches, um, I've seen them certainly yell at him at times, but I think they've gotten to him on that end. And I think offensively he has developed a type of chemistry with Damian Lillard that Dame seems to develop with any big man you put with him. Mason Plumley, sure, why not? Yusuf Nurkic, one of the best pick and roll duos in the league. Hassan Whiteside. Over the last three weeks, that without digging too deep into the numbers, that they just look better. They look like they understand it. Hassan is setting some better screens. Uh, early in the year he just wasn't setting screens. I think he kind of um I think he straightened that up by December. I think over after the first month, he kind of started setting real physical screens. But his his rescreening, changing angles, things like that. His his understanding when to roll short, when to roll hard, all those things. He just looks him and Dame just have an obvious, obvious better chemistry. I don't need the statistics to really look up. I can just watch their feel and know that it's better. Uh, I, later this week, I'll look up the stats and see uh, see if they match the eye test. But the eye test certainly suggests that, that those two have figured out their chemistry in the pick and roll, and it's made the Blazers much better on offense. Probably helps that Damian Lillard makes uh, you know a bunch of 35-footers, so there's uh, more space for Hassan to do things. But they they just seem better. Hassan looks better. He's... He's really valuable for the Blazers. Um, he he has he's really 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 played a lot better recently. I think his game against the Lakers was one of his best games of the season, and he turned around and was really really good. He outplayed Rudy Gobert in Portland on Saturday night. It's a great game for him. Great game for him. I I've said on this podcast before that I think Rudy Gobert might be the best center in the league, uh, and Hassan Whiteside was the best center on the floor on Saturday night. Other guy I want to give love to before we get out of here uh, is. Caleb Swanigan, he he just plays hard. He does a lot of dumb things by he commits fouls that he shouldn't commit. You know, he fouled Anthony Davis on a three for no reason. He uh, he got a foul on Saturday night when he was boxing out on a made shot, shoved someone out of the way when uh, a shot a three pointer was going in. But he also plays hard. He sets really physical, hard screens. He rolls to the rim. He's active on the glass. He is such an obvious upgrade over the Blazers' previous backup centers. I'm saying it right now. Caleb Swanigan has been more effective than Scalabissier. Scal's more talented. He's more skilled. He has more skill. 
than Caleb. But he wasn't this effective because he doesn't. He's not as physical. He's he, he doesn't go as hard as Caleb does. Caleb makes mistakes. He's limited. He's struggled to score around the rim, but his energy. Um, is such an upgrade, especially over what Anthony Tolliver was providing at that spot, being asked to play out of position. Caleb Swanigan deserves some appreciation. He has been serviceable. Even when he has struggled, he has been an upgrade for the Blazers at that spot, and that has been useful during this winning streak, which is now at four games. Four games. Okay, the final person that we that I want to just highlight who's played really well is Gary Trent Jr. looks like an NBA player. Looks like an NBA player. He is, of the two second-year guards, he is better than Anthony Simons right now. And he's earning minutes over Simons because of it. The Blazers really have been harping on Trent's defense. And not because he's an all-world defender, but because he never played good defense prior to this stretch. He just wouldn't focus. He'd be at, he would lose guys watching the ball. He just wouldn't be locked in. He's, he, I've, Every one of the coaching staff, when you ask about Gary Trent, the first thing they bring up is defense. Not the shooting. The shooting is obvious. He was always a shooter, and he's now just knocking down catch-and-shoot jump shots at above 40% clip. He's really confident and shooting the ball in rhythm. But the reason he's playing is because he can. He is a competitive defensive player. The Blazers are giving him minutes at small forward. They're playing him... When Trevor Ariza rests, they're playing him alongside Damon CJ, letting him be a floor spacer. Uh, He is not shy at all on offense, but he's becoming a competitive player on defense, and that has earned him some real minutes that he deserves. He's better than Anthony Simons right now. Straight up. I don't think it's even debatable. I mean, you could debate me, but you'd be wrong. All right, that's going to do it for today's show. Appreciate all of you for listening. Tell your friends about this podcast. They can find it wherever they already get podcasts. That's anywhere. If you get podcasts somewhere, type in Locked on Blazers, subscribe, listen to it, download it, tell tell your other friends about it, tell them to tell a friend about it. Let's grow the community. I appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.